This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 284 with Rachel Rogers. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 284. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey mamas, before we get started, I just want to have a little real talk with you. So let's be honest, motherhood can be soul sucking and soul crushing work. Now that's not to say there aren't moments of magic, but wow, it's pretty easy to lose your sense of identity when you're wrapped up in raising humans, right? And if I'm being honest, motherhood aged me probably about 10 years in the first two months of Minnie's life. Now, it took me two years to get pregnant and nine rounds of fertility support. So I really felt like I had to be grateful for every moment that happened once he was born. And that didn't happen. I actually thought I would be living in the land of rainbows and unicorns. And to my utter shock and horror, after that baby showed up, there was not a damn rainbow or unicorn in sight for quite a while. So Vinny is six now, and I can honestly say there are rainbows and unicorns every damn day. But this did not happen by itself. It took me implementing the tools that I have used to coach women for the last 16 years to build a post-motherhood life that is full and fun and life-giving. Now, that's not to say that the unicorns don't barf every now and then, because they do. And sometimes there's a pile of poop at the end of the rainbow, because I mean, this is still motherhood. But now motherhood is motherhood on my terms. So here's the thing. Motherhood changes you permanently, but it changes you in all the best ways. 
So I'm going to give you permission right now, and I'm going to ask you to give yourself permission to be strong and powerful and capable and shameless in how you embrace motherhood and how you embrace your identity outside of motherhood. Are you in? So here's the deal. Where I work with mamas most deeply on this is over in Momentum Mamas, and that's my membership community where every week we show up together as a group via Zoom conference calls, and we have coaching sessions, we have book club, we have happy hour, we have our own private Facebook group where we're checking in with each other daily. It is a powerful community of women who want to show up and do the work and be imperfect and celebrate. And really, like that's literally our motto is show up, take imperfect action and celebrate wins. So it's really simple, but it's also really deep, really profound and really life-changing and pretty freaking magical, if I'm being honest. So I went back and did a little digging and I got some stats, I guess you could say, from some of the Momentum Mamas who've been in the group since I started it. And I asked them, what were your biggest wins from your first month in Momentum Mamas? So this is just the first month. And I want you to hear what some of them said. I went to my boss and suggested a promotion for myself with a raise of $12,000. And my boss said, yes. I started sending my child to daycare every Monday so I can have a day of self-care just for me. I left my son overnight for the first time so I could go on a girl's trip. I changed how I make choices around food. I stopped making excuses for my nutrition and I lost 15 pounds. I learned to be more mindful and proactive and less reactive, especially in parenting my toddler. I started getting up at 5 a.m. to do yoga every morning. I got a jumpstart on my business so I can work less and make more money over the holidays. This is just in four weeks, okay? So these are big things that are happening, and these are the kinds of things that happen routinely in Momentum Mamas. So if you are in a position to work on some change and improving your life and finding that place where you can be more powerful, more positive, and more purposeful every damn day, Momentum Mamas is for you. So if you want to get on the wait list, enrollment's going to be opening in just a few short weeks, and I want to make sure that you get immediate access when enrollment opens. So here's how you're going to do that. You're going to pop over to shamelessmom.com forward slash waitlist. You'll see a little blurb there that tells you a little bit more about Momentum Mamas, and then you can put in your name for the waitlist. The waitlist doesn't commit you to anything. It just ensures that you're going to get the information as soon as it comes out. So make sure you pop over shamelessmom.com forward slash waitlist so that you can be notified as soon as enrollment opens for the next round of Momentum Mamas. Rachel Rogers is a woman of color, a mother of four, and a seven-figure business owner in that order. Rachel started her career working as a lawyer with nonprofits, federal judges, and Hillary Clinton. In 2010, Rachel disrupted the legal field by creating one of the first successful virtual law firms, making it possible for startups and alternative businesses to have access to legal counsel. She is the creator of Small Business Bodyguard, a legal toolkit for small businesses and entrepreneurs. After working with hundreds of female entrepreneurs and seeing how many were stuck making six-figure revenue because of the same issues, Rachel decided to step away from her law practice and start Hello7, a business consultancy focused on helping women-owned businesses go from six to seven figures. Rachel is the creator of the Million Dollar Badass podcast, the founder of Glow Up, and the Million Dollar Badass Mastermind. Every week, her no-nonsense business and life advice gets delivered to over 30,000 fans, and her visionary guidance for female entrepreneurs has been featured in Time, Forbes, Entrepreneur, Fast Company, and The Washington Post. So I'm going to just go ahead and disclose a little secret. Rachel is my business coach, 
And I'm in Million Dollar Badass, and it is phenomenal and also terrifying because like Rachel's bio says, she's no nonsense. So she pushes me to do hard things, scary things, things give me diarrhea on a regular basis. But I love her for it. I have tremendous respect for her. And I have been hoping to get her on the show. And when she told me that she was going to launch her own podcast, I was like, hey, so do you want to come on my podcast to talk about your podcast? So here we are. I'm super, super excited to talk to Rachel and share her story with you. And I'm also really eager to share her background because I think sometimes we forget to consider where people have come from. And when we hear the whole story, we realize how much is possible for everyone. So Rachel's going to talk about a lot of things that happened in her life, including how she emerged from a childhood impacted by poverty, addiction, mental health issues, and the loss of her father at the age of 12. All of that leading up to becoming a seven-figure earner. She's also going to talk about the power and value in knowing our stories and how they impact our current reality. She's going to talk about why all women should aim to become millionaires. And this might be not what you think. This might surprise you a little bit. It's a pretty cool reason. She's going to talk about the risks of living in a scarcity mindset. And she's going to talk about how to overcome mindset obstacles in order to live a million-dollar lifestyle. And how she got from there to being a mom of four and a seven figure earner. She's also going to talk about the power and the value in knowing our stories and how they impact our current reality. She's going to share why all women should aim to become millionaires. And this answer might surprise you. She's also going to talk about the risks of living in a scarcity mindset and how to overcome mindset obstacles in order to live a million dollar lifestyle. So I could not be more honored or more excited to share with you my coach and someone I admire tremendously who is going to light a fire under your butt. So let's dive in with Rachel Rogers. Rachel Rogers, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Yay! I'm so excited to be here and I'm feeling extra shameless today, so it's perfect. (laughs) I think we need to tell everyone how you're feeling shameless and like what does shameless look like behind the scenes running a seven-figure business? Let's give us some visuals of like the last 20 minutes. Yes. Okay. So the visuals are, I just got off of a training that I was teaching to my mastermind and I have on a lovely top and I put on some makeup and I've got sweatpants on with that. So <laughs> that's one thing. It's like pretty top sweatpants. Cause you know, no one's seeing the rest. Right. And then right before this interview started, I was like, I'm starving. I didn't have lunch. So I heated up some fried chicken and a biscuit and I was trying to chop that down when this, when we jumped on the phone together. So anyway, it's so elegant and, you know, luxurious over here. Right, right. I think when people think of people who run really successful businesses or like businesses of a certain caliber or maybe drive certain cars or live in certain kinds of houses, they think that like everything looks a certain way. And but really, it's all about like the nice shirt and the like seven-year-old yoga pants and the fried chicken and biscuits and the greasy fingers and maybe some like baby barf on your shoulder and whatever. Exactly. And like sitting on the floor in your kid's playroom. To oh record yeah. That's the other thing. I kicked her out of her office because it was too echoey. I was like, can you go find a closet somewhere in your house? <laughs> so so she's sitting, locked I'm in the playroom. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> 
So this is going to be really fun. And I'm going to just tell the audience a little bit that, so everyone who listens to me regularly knows that I've had business coaches since 2010 or so, I think. And I know now that I can't go without a business coach. And so I reference my coaches and my past coaches and all my coaching experience. So for those of you who don't know, Rachel is my current business coach and I'm in her coaching program called Million Dollar Badass. And it is phenomenal and amazing and mind-blowing and terrifying which is all the things that coaching should be. And so I joke with people when they ask me about who I work with, I'm like, well, I work with Rachel Rogers and she's amazing, but she makes me very nervous because she's always telling me to do things that are really scary. But I think that that's very appropriate. So I'm so excited and very honored to have you here, but I'm excited to have you. First of all, you're like, you're in my territory now. So this is going to be fun. I know. Because usually I'm in your territory and I'm like scared. (laughs) Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, So this will be really, really fun, but also I want people to know the context behind that, that you're someone who gives me a lot of business advice and who is a huge inspiration to me as a businesswoman. And so it's really, really exciting to have you here to dive into all this stuff today. Thank you. You're so kind. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. So (laughs) I want to get started with a little bit of your life beyond your bio and tell us what is going on in your personal and professional life that you're most excited about right now. Ooh, there's a lot going on. So it's perfect timing. (laughs) So right now it's all about visibility. I just got finished building a house, 
building a baby, <laughs> giving birth to my third child, technically fourth because I have a bonus daughter, but it's the third child that I've birthed. And also too, you know, some changes in my business, some big changes in my business over the last year. So I felt like there was a lot of heads down, taking care of myself, taking care of my family, building this house, which was a nightmare. I don't recommend it, except I love the house now. So, you know, there you go. So that's been my year. And so I came back to working after maternity leave and decided like, oh, I'm just ready to get my message out there in a bigger way. And it's all about like visibility, you know. And so that's one of the things that I'm working on is a book and I'm looking for an agent and um, going to be shopping around for a book deal soon. And my podcast just launched a million dollar badass podcast. So I'm super excited about that. And, you know, that's kind of what's going on. It's all about getting out there in the world, reaching more women, especially women of color, and helping them to learn how to scale their businesses. That's what it's about for me right now. So I want to just get the message out far and wide. And those are the things that I'm working on. So cool. And I remember when I was first introduced to Million Dollar Badass, your coaching group, the person who introduced me to the group, our mutual friend, Deb, she said something about you being pregnant. And I was like, oh, well, maybe this isn't the right time for me to join because she's probably like going to take a little break. So maybe I should join after. Oh, no, like pregnancy did not slow you down. Maternity leave did not slow down your business. Like things went running right along. And I love I think this is the epitome of a shameless mom. And I went through this when I was building my gym business and I was pregnant. And I remember my accountant and my financial advisor both were like, well, since you're pregnant and this year you'll have less money. And I was like, oh, you want to make a bet? <laughs> like That mm-hmm. is not how it works. And so I love how shameless you are in terms of embracing motherhood, having four kids. That's a lot. Like four is basically a, <laughs> a million. I'm not sure there's a difference between four kids and like an entire schoolhouse of kids. And yep, that's the, accurate. And doing all that with the also this like just assumption and conviction that I'm going to also be growing my business at the same rate or maybe even more advanced rate than I'm growing my family. It's not like I'm going to push pause on one thing in order to do the other. Exactly. And then thinking that you have to like shut things down. Why? I still can think. I can still talk. <laughs> I can still go places. Like, yes. why do I have to shut my business down because I'm having a baby? Like, if you want to, more power to you, sister. But like, you don't have to. It's right. not a requirement. And in fact, I'm making more money this year than I did last year. And I was only pregnant at the very tail end of last year, right? So yeah, I think that's BS. And it's really up to you whether you want to work throughout your pregnancy and take it to the next level. And here's what I find. When you are pregnant and when you have like a child coming or even when you've just given birth, there's no time where you're more motivated to like make things happen in the world, to make the world a better place, to make more money to take care of that child. And I feel like also motherhood just like unleashes all of this creativity, you know? Right. Just think about it. You're building a human being that the world has never seen before, you know? A completely (laughs) unique being is growing inside of you. Like, of course, that's a burst of creative energy that you can use to reach your goals. So I'm all about it. Like, of course, it should live side by side. Like, who thinks it shouldn't? That's right. silly. Right. You know? <laughs> right. I totally agree. And also, I think when you're in, I think pregnancy and newborn land, as I call it, I think those are hugely transformational times, like physically, obviously, and emotionally. And so I think that having transformation in other areas, of, I think there's, it's, that it's natural that you are also inspired to have transformation in other areas of your life at the same time. Yes, exactly. 
So I want you to tell us a little bit about your upbringing and the specific events that most deeply impacted the woman you are today. Because I know you have a story that really impacted where you're at today and the significance of your message that you want to get out to the world. Yes. So I think it's been interesting to see how people respond to me. Like one of the things was building this big house. People are like, oh, you know, what do you do for a living? Like suddenly they're like interested in my career path from when I lived in like a tiny little house that I had before (laughs) an apartment, you know? And it's so interesting how people respond. And it's interesting how they think like, oh, like this must just have always been your life. And I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea how different my lifestyle is now than it was when I was growing up. Like this life that my children are leading, like, please. (laughs) I didn't even have the vision to dream of a life like this, let alone actually have it. So I grew up in New York City. I feel like in a lot of ways, it was a great childhood because I had two parents who really loved me and prioritized me in a lot of ways. However, there was a lot of negative shit going on, like drug addiction in my family and alcoholism. And my father passed away when I was only 12 years old. And my mother was very depressed after that and basically checked out for my teenage years. Not by choice, you know. And I have a good relationship with my mom, but like that was my upbringing. And I remember actually one of my favorite stories (laughs) and like, honestly, it makes me think of my mom as a freaking superhero is I remember one time the, you know, it was like another time where our lights were out and uh, the guy from like the electric company comes to the door to tell us that he's going to like shut off the power to our apartment. You know, like they go in the basement and they like, they find your whatever, whatever the hell the meter is. Exactly. So they're going to go down there and shut it off. So my mom takes like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen like banks used to send out, you know, pitches to like get a bank account with them. And they would send like checks, like starter checks. Oh, yeah. uh, But they weren't really connected to any bank account until unless you took them to the bank and actually like opened an account and then they connected them. So but it looks like a real check. So my mom had one of those lying around from the mail and she wrote a check to the power company and gave it to the guy. Right. And I'm like (laughs) me sitting here knowing at like, I don't know, what was I, seven, eight years old? That like that check is not connected to any money, you know, what I mean? but I'm like, how ingenious, you know, kind of brilliant. Totally. Yes, exactly. Totally. Like she like handed him this check, you know, knowing that that was probably going to buy her like another two weeks. And within two weeks, she would have paid the bill already and we'd be good to go. So like she saved us from sitting in the dark, you know, and it was always stuff like that where just my mom knew how to make a dollar out of 15 cents which was very, like, I just saw her as a superhero. But of course, that also created a lot of scarcity mindset. I used to think, like, anything was possible. I went to Europe to study abroad when I had little to no money. Like, I've made things happen in my life that I really shouldn't, given the amount of money that I do not have, you know? (laughs) And I think that's because of her. But there's also scarcity that comes with that. And there are obviously plenty of things that I've worked through and I'm still working through with my therapist as a result of my childhood. But it definitely motivated me to feel like, you know what, I don't want to ever have to worry about the lights. I never want to have to worry about not being able to pay my rent. You know, I want a nicer car. I don't want to have to stand at the freezing cold bus stop every day. Like it just made me see what I wanted for myself. And my mom made me feel like it was possible that I could have whatever I wanted. And so that's what I did. I went out there and made it happen. Nice. Were you an only child? No. <laughs> Tell me so about there's siblings. two of us. Okay. Yeah, I have an older sister. And that's the interesting thing. She's five years older than me. And so when my mom was kind of like in not a great place, 
after my dad passed away, my sister was graduating from high school, going to college. And so she was kind of like not around that much. And she's almost like a second mom to me because she raised me in a lot of ways during those teenage years and has been so incredibly supportive of me. Like her savings account was like my personal savings and loan. Like (laughs) of my entrepreneurial journey when I'm like, "Mm, can't make payroll. Can I borrow, you know, quick 3K and I'll get it back to you in two weeks. So yes. So I feel like in some ways my childhood was absolutely incredible because I had people in my life who loved me and who really believed in me and made me believe that I could be anything I wanted. Mm. And then at the same time, there was poverty and there was food stamps and there was you know, like absentee parents and drug addiction and all kinds of other shit. So (laughs) that's my childhood. And that's really how it always is, right? Like it's never just one thing, you know, it's it's flex, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Always. And that's so interesting because I feel like a lot of people who come from a place of poverty, food stamps, addiction, a loss of a parent, like all those things, a lot of times they feel like they weren't made a priority or they weren't given the attention that they needed or whatever. And it sounds like, you know, you were doted on in many ways, but also some of your basic needs couldn't be met. Yes. Isn't that crazy? And I think what it is too, it was almost like, I think the fact that my parents put so much effort into believing in me and like cared about my grades and would like, you know, and it wasn't like we got big presents or whatever, but it was just kind of like a celebration every time I did well in school. You know, it was like things like that, that like both parents actually made me really believe that I could do anything. And so when like our family, because of my dad's health and him passing away, and then, you know, my mom's health being an issue and, you know, mental health and all of that, like, I think almost like those early years set a foundation that kind of got me through those teenage years, you know? Yeah. And I also had really close friends whose families lived down the street and kind of adopted me. And I was at their house all the time for dinner, for holidays. I would go on vacation with them, you know? So like I had an adopted family that kind of took care of me and met some of my needs. But I mean, they're still like... One of the things that, you know, there's probably a lot of people who are listening who are children of or, you know, related to someone who has an addiction and there's like this codependency that happens. And Mm -hmm. what can happen, I've discovered, is that you feel like you're never enough. So a lot of times you may have an addiction yourself of like overachieving, overworking because you weren't seen when you were a kid and you're like, look at me. You're still trying to get your mom and dad to look at you and say like, hey look, I'm doing this great things. Look at all my achievements, you know? Right. right. So that's something that I realized like later in life, only in the last like couple of years and like worked through with the therapist. And it's helped me to kind of take a step back from like doing too much, you know, never being enough. Some of that can come from that. So it's not like, oh, you know, it's fine. You know, we were poor. (laughs) There were no lights. They were drug addicts. It's fine. You know, (laughs) I mean, obviously that was not fun. And there was plenty of turmoil and things that were sad that happened. But at the same time, I also see that there were a lot of positives that happened in my childhood, especially compared to some of my peers, because some of the kids that I grew up with actually had it way worse in a lot of ways. And I've seen several of my good friends' parents actually die from addictions and Mm -hmm. overdoses, which is heartbreaking. So it wasn't all fun and roses, but I think we can always see positives from it. And A lot of times those foundations, those stories, that's real. Like that's what most of us are doing. And that story has value. Like when I show up as making a million dollars, that helps other people who maybe have a similar story to me or, you know, even a much more tragic or challenging, you know, childhood 
make them believe that they can do it too. Totally. So I'll give people just a quick little picture behind the scenes of the call that you were leading for our coaching group today. And you were actually talking about the value of like recalling all the ways that you're a badass or recalling like the things that you've endured and remembering like, oh, yeah, I did that one thing or the certain story in my life is actually really powerful. And sometimes we forget about those things. Like we forget that we've, you know, sustained life in poverty or divorced parents or losing a parent at a young age or food stamps or whatever, because that's just our normal life. And we don't think that much of it. But the value in recognizing your story and seeing the power that your story has played in your life is so profound. And I think it's so valuable in so many ways. And I think from an entrepreneurial standpoint, of course, you can really use your stories to build a business around. I mean, like I've absolutely done that. I and mean, I think that a lot of people do, but I think even if you don't do that in an entrepreneurial way, I just think having a deep understanding of where you come from and how that gives you power in your life rather than, because yes. I think, because it can also go the other way where you feel victimized by your past. So figuring out yes. how you can recognize where you come from and how that actually gives you power and puts you in a position to have a more purposeful adulthood, I think is really, really important. And I, I love how you acknowledge that and you can see that about where you've come from. I think that that makes such a difference when you're looking at building your life moving forward and whether that looks like, you know, following a corporate track versus building your own business, either way, so, so important. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel blessed in a lot of ways because I had that childhood and I look at what I'm providing for my children. Like, this is my hard work. I built yeah. this from nothing. I yeah. had no trust fund. I had no $20,000 to start my business with. It started with just like blood, sweat and tears and like 300 bucks. That was my startup cash. <laughs> you know, $300 <laughs> that I squirreled away. So anyway, when I see what I've created out of 300 bucks and like a dream and a vision, like that is so inspiring to me, like right. to kind of take a look around. Sometimes I walk around my house because this is a new, it's still new. I just moved here a couple months ago. So sometimes I walk around my house and I'm like, look at my damn house. Like, look what I have built, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's just like a physical, you know, even looking at my children and how intelligent they are and how you know, their level of emotional intelligence for their age and the education that they're getting and like the extracurricular activities they're doing, like all of that stuff that I can provide is amazing. And I love it. So it's exciting for me to see what a difference that like my work has made in the world so far. And I'm like, look, look what I've done over the past eight years. And so of building my business, like what's going to happen in the next 10, 20, 30, you know, right. it's so exciting. Right, right. It is. So you became a lawyer and had a lot of success there. And then you left that career in order to help other women build businesses. So talk about that transition a little bit and what inspired that. Yeah. So my third year of law school, I was like, you know, lawyers suck and practicing law sucks. <laughs> and like, <laughs> let me go read the four hour work. We can find something else to do. <laughs> <laughs> so read that actually tried to launch a t-shirt company. Oh my um, didn't quite make it to launch. I did create a couple of cool t-shirt designs. Little <laughs> I known did not fact. know this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, you know what? I've got these legal <clears throat> skills that I just spent three years acquiring. Maybe I should just sell that. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start my own practice and I'm going to do it my own way. So it's going to be a virtual law office. So I don't have to have like a traditional brick and mortar office. I'm going to work with like the cool kids. So like young entrepreneurs, because like those are my people. And I'm just going to be fully myself and we'll see how this works out. 
And that's what I did. So I launched my practice and I built it over seven years. It was very successful, almost made it to a million, just not quite a million. And then realized that like I was focusing a lot on women entrepreneurs and doing intellectual property work, like helping them secure their intellectual property, helping them license it. And I realized it's way more fun to do the business side of IP than to do the legal side of IP, which can become monotonous because it's like the same contracts, the same deals, the same trademark issues or whatever that come up. And it's kind of repetitive and not as exciting, you know, but I found myself giving tons of free advice to my legal clients. And I was like, huh, these people are applying this advice and they are making money and I should be charging for this. (laughs) So I started doing that. And honestly, not that far into my law practice, I was working with other lawyers. Like they would be like, how did you launch this virtual law practice? How did you make your practice successful? So I was doing like a little bit of consulting, like, you know, hire me for an hour. I'll give you advice. I created like a six week course early on in my practice for other lawyers about like how to set up a virtual law practice. So I had done a little bit of that, you know, But then, you know, I launched a product, Small Business Bodyguard, that was successful. And then I was like, you know what, I want to teach the business side. So I decided to move into that. And really, that was my motivation. Like, I get excited about helping the untraditional entrepreneur, which is basically anyone who's not a white guy, um, (laughs) make money, you know? So... That's why I decided to move over and it's been a lot of fun and it's been very successful as well. So I've enjoyed it and it's my personal mission, right? To help women, especially women of color, make a million dollars or more. Why do you believe all women should aim to be millionaires? Because honestly, here's the thing, like we kind of march in the street and some people might not like this, but (laughs) the truth is... We do a lot of things to sort of demand on social media or we march or we protest or we write to our senators. And I'm kind of like, let's build our bank accounts because that is really what's going to make the difference. And that's what's going to create more representation. The people with money have all the power. So let's become the people with money, you know, is my philosophy. So, yeah, that's my personal mission. That's my personal activism is to make money myself and to help other women make money and so that we can use that money to buy fancy shoes if that's what we want to buy or whatever the hell we want. But then also to be able to make change because there's all kinds of data that shows when women make money, they don't use it just to gain more power. They use it to build their communities, to build their families, to create generational wealth. And that is the stuff that can make real lasting change. So I'm like, let's become the 1%, yo. Why not? Right. Yeah. I did an episode a few months ago, which I'll link to in the show notes here for listeners who didn't catch it, but about why I want to be a shameless millionaire. I think that historically, greed has been synonymous with desiring to be a millionaire. But that's not the case. And one of the things, and I don't think I'm alone in this, one of the things that's so exciting to me, and I actually just recently experienced this at a fundraiser, is the idea of like what you just said is using my money to make change. And I've had the opportunity to go to a couple fundraisers in the last year where I felt like a little out of my league, to say the least, in terms of the amount of money being thrown around. But it was so inspiring. And I was like, never mind, like, going on a fancy vacation, like I want to be able to go to a fundraiser and make a contribution that 
impacts like an entire population of people. And mm-hmm. so when I look at like one of the places that I love here in Seattle is called Mary's Place and they work with homeless women and women and children in transition. So they're moving off of the streets, getting them into permanent housing. And I was like, what if I knew that in a given year, like I had been able to get 30 women and their babies off the street into houses. Like I would never need to go to Hawaii again. Like I would not give a shit about yes. going on vacation if I could do that. I and so know. I think that that's the bigger thing. And when people talk about making money, I think often we're just thinking about like, oh, well, she wants the fancy house or the pretty car, or the fancy shoe, whatever. And it's damn right. It's, I do want you that. can want all that. Like, <laughs> you you know? can want all that, too. But I think that the thing that feels better and more impactful is the ability to, like you said, really change other people's lives and change the world for our kids. Exactly. And I feel like to me, a million is that's like the number. That's like the sweet spot where you get to a place where you have more than you need to live on. And you can really start looking at like, how can I use my money to make impact and investing, not like stock investments, but you can have investments where just the interest on those investments are donated to causes care about where you can give significantly. And I know it's so far away, right? When you're somebody who's like, oh, look, I'm just trying to pay my rent, you know, (laughs) get my kid into this after school program. (laughs) You know, it's all. And trust me, I've been there. I was there for years. But I will say that once you get to that place where, you know, those basic needs are met and even some extras like having some help, like a cleaner or a nanny, having a slightly nicer car or whatever, sending your kids to private school, then you're really looking at like, okay, I've made money now, like I want to make impact on like a really scalable level, you know, Mm -hmm. that's what gets really exciting and you realize how powerful that can be. Like you said, getting 30 women and their children off the street. Like, you know what I mean? Like I did this. I don't need to do anything else. Right. Right. Yeah. That's so exciting. And so do you do affirmations? I know you do vision boardy kinds of things. Do you do that? I do. I'm not a big affirmation person. I have to admit. So I used to not be. So I've like tried all sorts of different woo woo things and some of most of them don't stick, but I've started doing affirmations. And when I started doing them and I do the same ones every day. And when I first started doing it, they all were like, it felt very selfish because it was like, I'm a seven figure earner and I have this and I do this. And it was like all these I statements. And I was like, this feels like very self-centered. And so then I started making them about like things related to my family. So like we have excellent health, physical and emotional health and things like that. But then one of them was I give $50,000 a year to charity. And I was like, okay, like that makes the rest of this list feel so much better so that it's not just all about me. And that felt really good to me. And you know, this can be different for different people, but I'm so conscientious now every morning when I write these down, when I get to that one, it's number three on my list of 13. So whenever I get to number three, I'm like, this is the one that's like the most significant to me in certain ways, I think. And maybe because I was on the receiving end of receiving financial aid and handouts growing up with a single mom, like, I think that that is the one that has the most impact to me in a lot of ways. And I think, and maybe because I've only recently started really thinking deeply on it, but it makes a really big difference to have goals and affirmations that whether it's on a vision board or however you choose to do it, but where you're really thinking about your purpose that is outside of you. I think that it's really powerful. And I know that for you, so much of that is like, you want to have a seven figure business. You want to have a multiple seven figure business. Also your impact is impacting other women and bringing other women up to have the same thing as well. And so you're not just like, 
you're not wanting to have a seven figure business by selling fancy shoes. You want to create more seven figure business earners, which I think is so powerful because then the trickle down effect becomes so expansive and so powerful. So talk a little bit about supporting other women and encouraging them in building seven figure businesses. And you can use me as an example of someone who gets very resistant sometimes because you really have to push the women in our group. I'll speak for myself. You have to push me, but you have to push a lot of us into really uncomfortable places to go after what we really want because it can feel so scary and so uncomfortable. Yes. It's, you know, it's so funny because even as a lawyer, I felt like I was doing therapy sometimes. And I'm like, Oh, this is still therapy. Yep, totally. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a lot of emotional stuff that comes up because it's challenging our beliefs about what's possible for ourselves, right? Like, you know, and it's challenging our beliefs about what we're worth. It's challenging what the world says about what we're worth, you know? So we're always thinking about, well, I have to worry about whether someone can afford it. No, My value is not tied to whether any particular person can afford my services. My value is tied to the value that I provide. What is the thing that you get out of working with me? And how do you value that? Right. And how do I value that? That's how I determine my pricing, you know, but I think pricing, I mean, talk about a wage gap. Women are the worst offenders, right. In their own unequal pay, especially as entrepreneurs, Because we don't ask for a raise in our jobs and we don't ask for a raise with our clients. You know, we just say like, oh, my costs are going up. I'm investing more time than I expected. I'm getting better at what I do. I'm getting results faster. But let me charge less because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm worried like about what my clients can afford. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, nope. (laughs) You know, so I think owning your worth is one of the most challenging things. And also just kind of doing things that you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. It's very uncomfortable putting yourself out there, being seen in a way that you're not accustomed to being seen. And maybe you're not entirely comfortable putting yourself out there. Like Brene Brown says, going into the arena, right. To be judged, to make mistakes publicly. Like that's all part of entrepreneurship. But I mean, the beauty of it is it's growth, right? Like you're growing as a human being. It's the most exciting time for me right now in my business because it's like having a new podcast, pitching a book, right? Like there's so much opportunity for rejection. Totally. And I feel like like that's an amazing thing. Yes. Like it's so exciting to put something new out there and see how how people respond. Maybe they hate it, but maybe they'll love it. Like what happens if they love it, you know? And so I really enjoy like that. And one of the things I will say is that I was very lucky going to law school because applying for clerkships and applying for law firm jobs, there was so much rejection. I used to get like literally, I kid you not, 20 rejection letters, physical letters in the mail every day when it was like, you know, like your job search, you know, interviewing season. I mean, every single day, you know? And so that it's just like, it makes you feel like crap when you're going through it. But Once you've done it, then you sort of build up that muscle and you're like, so what? Some people don't like it. Other people will, you know? Yeah. You get that at the next attitude where you're like, okay, next. Like you're much less phased. One rejection is going to be really painful. 30 rejections. Then you're like, well, I got this now. Like I know what this feels like. Like I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's laughable. It's like, whatever. Next, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in New Orleans last weekend and I was playing darts with my husband and we get a little bit competitive and I am like not a good dartist, whatever it's called. I'm not good at it, but 
I had thrown three darts that landed just outside of the bullseye. And my husband, he was like, oh, good group. Like when they're all just like the darts were all landed close to each other, but they kind of, they all missed the mark. And so he went to go take them out. I was like, no, hold on. I have to take a picture of that. Because I thought it was such a perfect representation of exactly what we do, whether you're doing this in building a business or you're doing this in raising your kids or moving up your corporate ladder, that we aim and fire and we aim and fire and we aim and fire and we're going to miss and we're going to miss and we're going to miss. And sometimes we're going to get really close, but you're not very often going to get right in the middle, but you're only going to get right in the middle if you keep throwing at the darts, like you have to just keep throwing the things. And eventually yeah. you get there. But if you don't keep throwing them, you never get there. Like you will never hit a bullseye if you never throw a dart. And so he was laughing at me because I'm like, hold on, this is a really teachable moment in the middle of yes. this disgusting bar <laughs> in New Orleans. <laughs> like I have to go take a picture of it. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. But I think that that's a great example and similar to your example of getting all the law school rejections and the law firm rejections is that like that's going to happen. And it's almost better to just start that process going to like get all those no's, just get all those people saying like, nope, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not what we want. You're not the one because then you can just keep moving. You can push through it. It's like getting those first few or the hard ones. And then you're like, okay, I just got to keep going. And it's, you don't take it personally in the same way, or you shift and pivot and you recognize like, oh, it's because I need to shift over here or, you know, dig into this piece a little bit better so that I am more qualified or whatever. Like you can start to figure it out, but you have to just keep aiming and firing. Exactly right. Basically be in the business of collecting rejections because that's how you know you're putting yourself out there. And all the fear 
that we all feel that can be very paralyzing. When you take action and you just put yourself out there, it goes away because it's done. Like you're doing it. You don't have time to worry about fear when you're in the middle of doing it, you know? Right. So I think you just have to go for it. And also like who wants to look at back at their life and think about all the shots they didn't take and all the risks they never went for and wonder what if like screw right. that. Let's right. just let's find out what if right now, you right. know? <laughs> right. So tell us about we've touched on some of this already, but tell us about some of the biggest mental blocks that you see women having around money and specifically about making a lot of it and where do you see women getting stuck and how can we get unstuck? Yeah, we talked about value and that is, you know, the number yeah. one thing. But I actually I think women are afraid of money, you know, <laughs> like they're actually afraid of it. And Brené Brown talks about this not to like toot her horn too much, but I do I'm a fan and one of the things she talks about is that joy is the hardest feeling to experience. And it's so true. So I think that we sort of create the truth that is comfortable for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard to push ourselves to like imagining, oh, what if I'm making a million dollars, right? Where there's so many steps to get there that we have a hard time actually living it and believing it, you know? So one of the things that I always like to ask my clients is like, who do you need to become? Like, how would a seven figure earner behave, right? Like, how would the woman you want to be tomorrow or next week or in 12 months or in five years, how would she behave, you know, and start doing that now. And like, let's make a list, right? Maybe she would hire a personal trainer. Maybe she would get some help. Maybe she would meditate every day. Maybe she would have a therapist. Maybe she would take fabulous photos and actually post them and not hide them. Maybe she would be willing to take up space and get on a stage and tell people about what she does, you know, and like own what she's worth and double her prices. Like we have to think about who do I need to become? What would I invest in? What would I spend my time on? What would I say no to? What kind of boundaries would I have in place as a seven figure owner or as the woman I want to become? And how can I start adopting that now? Like maybe I can't hire a personal chef right now, but I can start ordering HelloFresh and get my babysitter to make it for me. And like, that's not a personal chef, but it's close enough, right? It's the version that I can afford, you know, or whatever. So I think it's a mindset shift, but like the world and especially, you know, in the US, but everywhere, right, they teach women that we're less valuable. And we have to take action every day to overcome that. And I think it's a completely different world. I have been a part of a lot of masterminds that are mostly men. In fact, most masterminds are mostly men. Mm -hmm. And what I see, like what they work on is all tactics and like strategy. And it's all like the hard stuff. And there's a little bit of mindset sprinkled in maybe, but not really. But I find that when you're working exclusively with women, you have to hit the emotional points and you have to talk about mindset. And it's really like all of that stuff is what gets in our way. It's being seen. It's believing that we are worth it. It's overcoming those messages that we've been getting from the world since, you know, that our mothers and our grandmothers were getting too. we have to Mm -hmm. overcome all of that to achieve the things we want to achieve. So it's very unique, like working just with women versus working with a mixed group, because I find that women hold back. If there's a man in the room, they don't share the same way, you know, Mm -hmm. that they do when there's just women. And that's why I make my mastermind exclusively women, because I want it. Let's talk about your period. 
You know, <laughs> let's talk about the fact that you're having a baby or whatever it is. Like, let's talk about the fact that you are crying at your desk. You know, like, let's right. talk about all of that. All of that is fair game and all of that is a part of the journey and we shouldn't try to separate it. And I have to say, too, I've been in some communities with some very successful multi-million dollar business owners. And I find that most of them, first of all, is very male dominated, but most of those men were not happy. They did not have a happy home life. They did not have a happy marriage. They did not have great relationships with their children. It's so cliche, right? But it's very, very common. Yes, I've seen that too. Yeah. I've seen it too. And it's like, it's such a turnoff because, yeah, I think there's a dynamic with men in success that, like, I don't know if what I've seen is a limited perspective or not, but there's like a disconnect between their professional life and their personal life. I think with women, it overlaps a lot more. And with men, I've seen such a disconnect where it's like their home life, their family life is like this thing that they're in like 7% of the time. And then 93% of the time, they're in this business thing that they've built up. And it's like this persona that they've built of themselves, but it's not congruent with the home situation. And like, it's very sad and bothersome. Yeah. Women have so much to teach about entrepreneurship, about being in business, about being successful to men, you know, and I feel like also women of color have such strong messages to share about resiliency and, you know, valuing yourself. And like, there's so much that we have to learn from each other. That's why diversity is so important. Um, and it really needs to be a part of everything that we do. Every community should be diverse because it's an asset. It's valuable to be able to learn from those. But that's why I don't want women to be quiet. I don't want them to be like, oh, just successful enough. Because I feel like there's like a, oh, you can make a six figure, make 100000 a year or make $150,000 a year. And then you need to like calm it down. You need to go home. You need to pay attention to your children. You need to right. lose some weight. Right. You know, like you need to focus on taking care of your husband. It's like, no, I don't. And fuck you, you know, right. <laughs> by the way. Right. <laughs> Right. So (laughs) anywho, that's some of the stuff that I see that we kind of deal with that's unique to women specifically. But I just feel like everyone says, right, the future is female. And now I feel like it's the time for us to go after what we want and like, go get it, you know, and be unashamed, completely shameless in your ambition, because that's how I feel. And I definitely had people say things like, you know, oh, she must never spend time with her children, Mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. And I'm like, actually, the more money I make, the more time I spend with my children, because guess what? Now I can afford to hire help with the laundry, with stuff that I need to do in my business. And that frees up my time to spend more of it with my children, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's actually the opposite. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I want to give an example of, I loved kind of how you addressed scarcity mindset back there versus million dollar mindset and million dollar behavior. And after I sold the gym, I definitely went through a phase of like, okay, I sold the gym. I don't know like quite what it's going to look like to replace that income. And so I started doing things I had not done in so long, like looking for coupons and best deals. And like, I'm only going to shop, like, I'm going to get everything needs to come from like Costco and Target. (laughs) Like, I can't go to Nordstrom for a while, like things like that. And I also caught myself being like, 
really stringent about returning things. <laughs> like, not that you should be like wasteful <laughs> about returning things, but I was like, anything that hadn't been used to its like full capacity, I was like, we're going to return this. Or like, my husband was laughing. I got this <laughs> bottle of wine at Trader Joe's. It was like seven bucks. And I didn't think it tasted good. I was like, I'm going to return this. And he's like, are you really going to drive to Trader Joe's? And ret-? I was like, yes, I'm going to. And then I was like, catching, I'm like, that is not million dollar behavior. Like, it's seven dollars. Let it go. <laughs> So I really caught so myself. Funny. I love it. <laughs> but I think you have to catch yourself. Like, where do you live in that scarcity mindset? And am I going to spend an hour driving across town to return a $7 bottle of wine? Or am I just going to like get online and figure out how to make $7 back? <laughs> like, which, yes. might take, which might take like three and a half minutes, you know? So I think that it's easy to, especially if you are in a transition, especially if you don't know what the future looks like, or you're not quite sure how something might unfold. Or if you've just been raised around scarcity, it's really easy to fall back into scarcity mindset and have that be your default. And I love that you pointed out that that doesn't need to be the default, that like live the life that you want to build and live like book the fancy hotel, like within reason, but book the fancy hotel, go on the trip. Like I'm going to your podcast launch party because I was like, I deserve to have this special trip as a reward for hitting 1 million downloads. And so I booked the trip. I booked the fancy hotel, like all these things. Just because, yeah. like, because that's million dollar behavior. That's what success looks like. And that will breed more success rather than like, that's exactly right. Which it's way better than like, I'm going to go to this launch party, but I'm going to stay down the street at the place that costs, you know, 10% less so that I can save $40. And then I'm going to Uber both ways. I'm like, no, that's exactly. not what I'm going to do. Spend that money anyway. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, you have to create surroundings. Like that's honestly why I built this house because I was in a tiny little two bedroom house with three children. And I was like, this sucks. We don't have enough space. And then we moved to a three bedroom, two bath apartment, which felt spacious. And then it quickly filled up. And then I was pregnant again. And I was like, okay, we have no room for a fourth child. And like sort of the struggle of like mess, right? You know how clutter happens when you don't have a spot for everything right. that you own, you know, because <laughs> yeah. your house it doesn't have enough space or enough storage space or whatever. And that kind of thing is what made me feel like, ugh, I do not feel like a badass in this apartment. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mm, this is not a million dollar badass apartment. <laughs> exactly. This is not million dollar badass headquarters, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, and then I went out to find a way to do it and do it in a way that was like in a million dollar badass way, right? Like I'm not going to buy a house I can't afford and then struggle because that don't make me feel like a million dollar badass either, you know? So I spent time like, all right, what can I launch? You know, like what am I going to create that's going to help me buy this house, right? And then I was like, I'm going to make sure all my taxes are up to date and paid off before I buy this house. And I want to have 20%, none of this 3% bullshit, you know, like I want to do it the right way, even though it's possible to do it in a way that is like, I don't want to be on the struggle bus. Like, how can I do this and give myself time to make it happen? Right. And I want everything like yesterday. I wish I, <laughs> if anybody's like me, that's how I want things. But, you know, I have the discipline to know that if I put a little time in and put a little effort in, I can actually make pretty much anything happen if I'm motivated enough. And that's really exciting. It's really powerful. It's almost more powerful than money is knowing that you have the ability to make it if you need to, you know? So that's why like when there's something I want to buy or there's something that I can't afford or whatever, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make XYZ more money so I can get that thing. And then I go out and find a way to do it and a way that doesn't tax me mentally. That doesn't mean that I'm working 80 hours a week. Like, how can I be strategic and creative 
in how I make money so that I'm never seeing my children so that I can buy this house, right? Or so that I can buy a nice car or whatever, you know? Right. And those things, like, they make you feel so powerful. Like, wow, I did it. What else can I do? You know, like, yes. it's really empowering. And so I, I think that ties back into your story and recognizing, and this is something I've been really conscientious of in the last year or two, is here's all the ways I've been resourceful in the past. Here's all the way I've built success in the past. Here's all the ways that I have cultivated, like, exactly what I needed and wanted so that I could get myself in and out of any situation comfortably, happily, mm-hmm. whatever. And when you recognize that, when you can be tied into your stories like that, then it makes everything seem possible, which I think exactly. is so, so important. Okay. So- yes. So empowering. And like what I want right now is, you know, not to get too political, but overthrow our current president. <laughs> so Amen. Maybe I could do that. You know, maybe that's possible. Maybe I should try it. Let's right. see what happens. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, you have my full support. <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I also love that like anytime at this point, politics are so polarized that anytime someone, people are like, I don't really want to make this political, but, and then it's all like, you can't, <laughs> it can't not be like, it's never going to be just a middle of the road comment when you say that, like, it's going to be something completely yeah. polarizing. Like I want to make many millions of dollars to completely overthrow the entire go- current government. <laughs> <laughs> but not I, but I don't want to get too political on my thoughts though, but just that. <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny, so true. You know, not to be offensive or not to waste your time. Right. Like when people say that, no, you're going to do exactly right. what you just said you're not going to do. Right. That's exactly right. what you're about to do. <laughs> I love it though. We're here to be shameless in this conversation, so it's totally appropriate. Okay, so yeah. this has been so great and so fun, and I really appreciate your time today, Rachel. And I want to know before we wrap, you've already given a number of examples, but we always end with having the guests share in what ways you are a shameless mom. So go for it. Yes. Ooh. Okay. Here's my favorite one right now. One of my favorite ways to be shameless is not allowing my children to guilt trip me. It's the best. So like when my daughter's like, Oh, you were on calls for a really long time today. (laughs) And I'm like, do you know that other mommies have to commute to work and they're gone for like an hour and a half for commuting. And then they're gone for, you know, them plus eight hours of working and they don't get home until six 30 at night. And how lucky are you to have your mommy right here working right Right here, seeing you play outside (laughs) right here to wave at you when you're riding your bike, you know, in front of the house, when I'm in my office on my calls. Right. Aren't you lucky? Great. Bye. You know, (laughs) I, uh, we're not doing the guilt trip thing. You know, I'm so not into that. So I like to straighten my kids out when they think they're going to guilt trip me because it's a thing. It's like they Mm, learn it on TV or they learn it from their friends. There's something about our culture that says like, Make sure you make your mom feel bad because she ain't doing enough. It's like, no, and also they probably and they but they don't do that to dads though. Like there's no there's no guilt for never. dads. Never, never ever. And that's why I'm like, let me straighten y'all out right now. Yeah. <laughs> so you got the right one with your guilt trip that you thought you were going on. Let right. me turn that right back around. And aren't we grateful? Great. Bye. <laughs> you know, mommy's got more calls. See ya. You know. <laughs> that's so funny. I love it. This has been so good and so positive and powerful. And I know that people are really going to enjoy it. So I want people to know where to connect with you and where to learn more. So tell us about your podcast, your Facebook group, and where people can find you and stalk you and hunt you down. Yay. Stalk me and hunt me down. Um, So I would love it for you guys to take a listen to my podcast, which you can find at hello7.co slash podcast. 
And then also you should join my community, which is a free Facebook group called Hello7. And it's at facebook.com slash groups slash Hello7. And that's just a place where you can connect with other shameless people, you know, who are women and entrepreneurs. So it's a fun place. And I do some Facebook lives and share tips and strategies and stuff in there. Awesome. Yes, it's a great group. And then the podcast title is Million Dollar Badass Podcast, correct? Yes. Okay. So people can find that through your site, which you mentioned, or they can also find it through any podcast app as well. All right. So thank you so much for being here. This has been really helpful and fun and entertaining. And I appreciate so much all the work that you're doing. And I appreciate you pushing me on a personal, well, it's on a professional level, but pushing me personally, even though I always am joking on our calls that you're giving me diarrhea because usually you are. <laughs> but that is the goal. That's how I know I've done my job. I'm like, did I give Sarah diarrhea? Right. Sarah, is Sarah running to the bathroom right now? Okay, good. Um, but no, I think that this work is so important and I have had coaching from men and I learned that like, I don't think that it doesn't feel right for me to be coached by a male. I want to be coached by a female who's like on the path that I want to be on. So I appreciate how you show up for your clients and how you show up in the world. And I'm so excited about the podcast so that other aspiring million dollar badasses can get connected with you. So thank you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.